This week on the USP, we talk about the science behind storytelling, why it's important and actually how to do it. Luke will ask me some questions along the way and I'll share the story of a deal I won using these techniques. Let's get into it. Welcome to the USP, or Unnamed Sales Podcast. I'm Luke, and I'm your SDR in training. And I'm Felix, your Revenue Enablement Specialist. This episode is uh, important to me because, again, like last week's episode, it's something I'm struggling with live. So week in, week out, I'm really trying to improve the skill of storytelling. Um, I've gotten to a stage looking into some case studies, and I'm now building out my own stories from interactions with prospects or different companies, or just people in the office. From I'm not really comfortable with the way I'm telling stories or I asked Felix for a little bit of help and a little bit of insight. So he's going to hopefully guide me through uh, some extra tips uh, throughout this episode and maybe help some of you guys as well. Um, so yeah, maybe Felix, you um, let us know what uh, where you're coming from in your storytelling adventure. Yeah, I, I will. I will in a minute now. But before we do, tell me a story. How are you feeling? I'm feeling grand. Um, I was sick for a couple of days, but I'm back up and running now. I was laughing with um, Paddy me AE. I was like, oh, do you ever watch a Premier League footballer whenever they, they're like injured, they're out for a couple of weeks, and then they come <laughs> back and you're like, geez, that rested them well. I'm like, I'm, I'm feel like I've got a couple of months now before Christmas. I've been, I wasn't feeling great. I couldn't work. Like I just couldn't keep my eyes on the screen. So no rocking back and uh, hitting, this is Sunday. So hitting tomorrow, like a steam train and yeah, looking forward to it. Feel refreshed. Sometimes you feel like that after a little bit of a head cold for a couple of days. But. Good stuff, especially for an SDR going into Q4. You know, this is where this is where it hits the proverbial fan, as they say. So yeah, good to see you back on back in good health. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're well into it now Got, because think about Q4. Like December finishes on really the sixteenth to twentieth, sixteenth of October. Now, so you got like two months max plus like a couple of trips and that. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, it comes in fast. You're like 10 weeks or something. Yeah, and then Christmas comes at you, and that's silly season, right? Nothing really happens in December. Exactly. Exactly. Depending on what injury I had, just I've never, yeah. You just gotta hit the ground running and hit things early. Um that's it. But yeah, seasons are changing. We're still at 25 degrees here in Canada in Vancouver, so that's good. Um that is ridiculous. It is windy, <laughs> which you might pick up on the mic. And rainy and miserable 12 or 11 degrees out here in Dublin. So it doesn't change. But uh, but yeah, storytelling. What do you want to know, Luke? Like, I know why it's important to me um, at the moment. Uh, but like, like, always in these conversations, I have an opinion. And it's my own opinion of why I think a certain skill or certain just pathway is important to me. More often than not, when I ask you the same question, it turns out that there's so much more that I'm not looking at. You give me the 3,000 foot view where I can look at the bigger picture. So I know why it's important to me. It's very singular, very driven of how I can tell stories on my calls. But why is it important maybe as a whole? Yeah, I mean, well, let's think about it, right? I mean, like most of the conversations in life we have are stories, right? 
we just call it gossip <laughs> uh, pretty much <laughs> we're, we're we're telling people filling people in how our day was what we're excited about you know what's going on in our lives it's, it's a story um and there's a really good reason for that right it goes back to how our noggins work you know the brain itself um and i like to think of the brain being like a teenager right so it can physically do a lot of things but it'll probably try to shortcut that process where it can you know typical lazy teenager want to make the bed nah just throw everything in there throw over the cover it's done right bed's made Um, and the brain's exactly like that it's a pattern seeking machine so it tries to organize all the bazillions of thoughts that we have uh, and stories are just a really good way of doing that you know um and when we listen to stories we kind of activate lots of different parts of our brain and this is where it starts to get really important so as a listener when you start hearing a story the first thing it activates is the listening part of your brain naturally and then that triggers the language center of your brain as you start trying to understand and engage with that story and then it triggers the part of the brain that's responsible for imagination um, and what's really interesting about this part of the brain is it's also the part of the brain where those neurons fire off um, when you're performing any activity. So the same neurons that fire when you're performing an activity are the same that fire when you're thinking about performing an activity. So imagine you're thinking about running. The brain doesn't distinguish that from when you're actually running. So that's that's crazy, right? You know, the brain is processing human or imagined experiences the same way as real experiences they're like using like sports imagery before you like <laughs> golf swing kick a ball that kind of yeah uh yeah yeah, yeah. so think just to get so it's the the first one is the listening then the thinking and then you're actually doing it so imagine the first thing is the listening then the yeah. language so you're processing and listening then you're language. in then you're into the imagination and activity right and then finally, when all of that comes together, you activate the part of your brain that controls emotion and, and connection, you know, and this is this is where it all starts to tick. So you're activating different parts of the brain. Sorry, I thought you were going to say something there. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is like just a new thing. So I'm just trying to, it's hard for me to remember stuff. That's why I asked you to like, say it again. So listening, language and thinking. Listening, language where we process that information, thinking or imagination where we're actually doing something, and then straight into emotion and connection. Emotion is like a follow-up of like you're actually emotionally involved in it. That's good. Absolutely. So why should you care? As a salesperson, why should you care? This is what's really interesting, right? So first of all, storytelling is memorable. Okay. They say that a good story sticks with you. And there's real science behind that. Like they've shown brainwaves from a good story still exist days after the fact. You know, it's like when you hear a really good joke, you want to tell 10 other people, right? It's just in your head. And and now what all the kind of marketing spiel around that these days are saying that, you know, um, when we tell facts and figures and explain things as part of a story, we're 22 times more likely to remember it. 22 is a big number. 22 like, is a big number. A very oddly times. specific number. I have no idea yeah. how they came up with that. Everything should be taught to me as a story then, because my memory is sometimes, as you just heard, <laughs> my memory is sometimes shot. Yeah, yeah. 22 times. 
Yeah. But I mean, like for us, for us in sales or, or marketing people, I mean, like that's really important, right? Imagine, like, what are we trying to do when we speak to a, to a prospect? We're trying to get them to, first of all, remember who we are. And secondly, remember and care about what we're talking about. So we start thinking about, okay, stories may be able to, to help us with some of that recall. You know, when you call a prospect back after six months or four months, and he goes, oh yeah, Luke, I remember you. You're the guy who did X or said this. That's because you've had a lasting impression. But if you're just the guy who picks up the phone and tries to feature bash the guy on the phone, nah, gone. Don't even know. I don't even remember you, mate. Yeah, yeah, definitely have... You remember the good conversations and you feel good after them because you know that no matter when you speak to them again, you like you've built a connection there that you can re- go back into. So you're saying like that is the same skill as when you tell a good story, people remember. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you go to you go to the cinema, you go to the movies. I mean, you you remember the better films. You don't you don't remember the other ones. Not yeah. really. You might say, Oh yeah, I saw that. Uh, and then you're kind of thinking about was it that good? Or you get asked to go to a meeting and you've been in like whatever, 20 meetings last week. And you're like, geez, what did we even think about or talk about in that meeting? I don't remember. Because it wasn't important or it wasn't important in your grand scheme of things. Right. There's a guy that did um our imp- our like orientation called LV, and he did our like um our culture talk and he i think his father's a preacher or something but like it's like a 45 minute um zoom call and i still remember i don't remember the story i remember the energy and i remember the guy (laughs) and i remember thinking i swear to god that is like one of the best experiences i've ever had for 45 minutes over zoom i was like i don't know what he just did but the way he told his story and like got us all engaged it was like something very unique that hasn't happened before or since like it was just one of them people that the way he spoke and the way he talked and you get them on Ted talks, you get them with different people, but so to engage an entire audience for like 40, 45 minutes. Yeah. I I understand that. Yeah. I remember, I remember being in them situations, but being the listener rather than the storyteller. Yeah. It's like that quote. I can't remember who they, who, who said it, but it's uh you won't, they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember, or you'll remember how you made them feel. Right. It's yeah. kind of like that. 100%. Yeah, so that's number one. Anyway, stories are memorable. Really important. We want to be memorable or memorable as salespeople. The second one goes to the principles of persuasion. I think you and I were chatting last week, and I think I said Socrates, and that was completely way off. It was the other chap. It was Aristotle. <laughs> Mate, I've Greek looked up lad. so many. I've looked up so many Socrates quotes since that. I'm like flattered, just looking at him like, "Whoa, this guy." <laughs> Stoic Luke. <laughs> Luke the philosopher. This guy. <laughs> yeah, started making up my own. Uh, but uh, it was Aristotle anyway, and, and he had he had like he's doing all this work on like, thinking, I suppose in those days, lots of thinking on on many topics. But one of the things he was really keen on was on arguments, you know, and like how do you make good and form good arguments? Um, and he kind of concluded that for a successful argument, it needed to have three things: it needed to be a credible person making a logical logical argument alongside some kind of a feeling that made you do something, that made you act, you know? That was what he came up with. Uh, and I was thinking about this after, and I was like, okay, where does that come in uh, for us, you know? And I was thinking, you know, credible person, look, our credibility, you know, it builds trust. And that's that's the key thing with sales, you know, trying to build trust with your prospect or with your customer. You know, and that can come from anything from, 
the company you work for giving you credibility. You know, if you're the best shoe company in the world and you're selling shoes, you automatically have credibility. Uh, you know, any qualifications that you might have, certifications, say you're an expert, you know, that gives you more credibility. Uh, or even how you show up, you know, in a face-to-face meeting, if you're uh, if you're showing up in the full tin of fruit, you know, the full suit, you know, you look well, you're commanding, you got that command stance, um, all of a sudden you've got a certain level of credibility. Um, and that's why, you know, during the pandemic, everybody was, you know, setting themselves up in their offices with, you know, the books on the wall and everyone's like, I need to have these books on the wall. <laughs> I find you you get a lot, what, in my experience, you get a lot of credibility from speaking the industry language. It's really sure. hard to do and hard to learn, uh, especially when working in one industry like I do. But if you can learn the industry language and talk in their lingo, um, that's like, the, that, that, that's a, obviously the others are important as well but that for me is like the hardest but the most valuable to be able to speak the local language basically um but yeah that builds credibility massively too absolutely absolutely i mean because you know what you're talking about that's it um so yeah so that was a credible piece the logical argument i mean look i think any logical argument starts when you you kind of leverage something that everyone agrees is true you know, you're creating a sense of understanding between you and the prospect. It's like, look, we both agree this is the reality of the job or this is the reality of the situation. And then you've, you've got a common ground because I've already agreed. You're like, yeah, OK, you've built that bit of rapport and then you build from there. You can start saying, well, then logically, would you agree that this might be the case? You know, that's the next step. So you're credible. You're starting to bring in your logical act, you know, your logical argument. And I'll piece this together in a real example I have now in a minute. Uh, and the final thing was, you know, the feeling that stirred you to act, you know, something that made you feel something that made you act now. And for me, uh, you know, this is the emotion and argument tapping into the risk reward part of the brain, you know. So let me tell you, let me give you an example. Right. So, Luke, you and I were self-taught golfers. Remember that? You and me. <laughs> All right. Let's start. We have we have listeners that actually play golf. I apologize for any of you. I do, I, yeah, <laughs> self-taught is a very loose term, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so so, so Luke and I used to go down to the driving range, <laughs> and we said, "Look, we'll teach each other." We both have a we both have a friend who's a pretty handy golfer, um, and Luke and I would would often be berated by him in terms of, you know, his skill level versus our lack of skill. Um, so Luke and I went down to the to the driving range a couple of times, and we tried to figure it out. Um, and that, that kind of got me going, you know, kind of saying, okay, like this is something I'd like to get better at. Um, so I started exploring, okay, getting a proper golf lesson. So here's the process I went through in terms of buying the golf lesson from a pro. So first of all, the guy had credibility because he was a pro golfer, right? I mean, he's a guy selling golf lessons, but he's a pro professional golfer. He's got the card, whatever, you know, I immediately trusted the guy knows what he's talking about. Then I had a quick chat with the guy. So I had a quick chat with the guy and he spent that time understanding what I wanted to achieve. Um, and he started to explain where he felt I might be going wrong, you know, because I said, look, this is what I'm trying to do. This is where I'm struggling. And he started to explain, you know, well, it might be this. It could be this, you know, not telling me, but kind of offering up suggestions, you know consulting with me, making some kind of logical arguments to me, for lack of a better expression. Um, and then he stirred me to act. He got me to buy the lessons because he said, well, look, 
I think working with you, I can make a lot of progress in just two one-hour lessons. You know, and, and in that moment, I was like, wow, that quick. I was thinking like six, eight lessons, you know, it's a couple of months. And he was like, no, no, I'd like two, two lessons, like two hours work. I reckon I can have you doing what you say you want to do. And for me, it was that short game chipping up onto the onto the green. And he was like, yeah, yeah, I think two hours would get you there. No bother. And I was already imagining it. I was always like, oh, geez, two hours and two weeks time, I'll be able to do this thing that I've been struggling to do for the last five months or whatever. And I was like, oh, he's got me. Yeah, yeah, let's do the lessons, you know? So good, man. It's so like, we just don't listen to enough of the salespeople around us in our lives that paint things in such a good way. Um, people that are here in Canada, definitely people that are like serving you at a restaurant. I pick up things off them all the time. Like ways <laughs> that they say things, ways that they offer the dessert menu. Like, like the, but he's, he's obviously a pro golfer, so he's not going to come back in and be an SDR. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, but that <laughs> but is the framework. About, right? That's the framework. You know what I mean? There's, there's, there's no difference really. You're just, taking the framework in and putting it in different places. He's not, he's not gone and like uh, you've walked in the doctor's office and told you you've broken legs. So sent you off. He's done a little bit of a discovery. He's painted a picture of what he can do for you. He's like offered you a limited, you don't, not a huge commitment, a couple of hours time commitment, probably a, not a massive amount of money to go for two lessons rather than buy a block of 10. What's going to happen? What happened after you booked? What happened after you had your two lessons? Did you get better? Did you do that? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty handy, yeah, with the nine hours yeah. and the pitching wedge. I'm much better now, yeah. If you needed help, would you go back to that guy? Oh, for sure, yeah. I completely trust the guy now. because And there were no there were no BS, excuse my language, on the pod, but uh, there were no BS, those those lessons with the guy. Like, met the guy, and after each lesson, actually, that was really good. He kind of walked out to me, walked out with me to the car, and we were chatting away, and probably got another 20 minutes of knowledge from him as well as I was walking out to the car. And... He was willing to spend that time. I paid for the hour. I was getting an hour 20 or so between the chatting and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of feel like right now I'm struggling with the driver and I'm like, geez, I can't hit this thing. I'm like, you know, it's a not a mad expensive driver, but I've paid enough money for it. I want to be able to hit the thing. Um, and how do I'm kind I, of how need do I, to hit it. <laughs> how, do I do, how do I do that in my world? Well, that's, that's, that's the... Uh, that's the million dollar question. How do we bring sales? How do we bring all this back to sales? Well, look, can I just summarize the last piece around persuasion and just say the way I think yeah. about this is people buy from people who understand them, who they trust and who they like, you know, and that's why many times that feature benefit selling will not work with a solution sale. You know, the kind of stuff you're selling in software, the kind of stuff my guys that I work with sell, you know, the feature benefit bashing doesn't work really doesn't sorry it is october time so there's lots of fireworks going off if you guys can hear that <laughs> i can't i can't hear it now oh but that's good i've got a bit of a, a show going on out beside me um but look even think about you using customer references you're already doing this you know what i mean you probably use customer references win stories and your pitches you know that's because you know the stories use the same principles of persuasion right you yeah. show you understand your customer by telling them how you've helped another customer just like them, you know, building that rapport, that logical argument. Here's all the benefits they got from working with you, you know, so they're starting to imagine the world that, oh, yeah, we have the same problems. We could solve the same problem. These guys are just like us, especially if you work with someone's biggest competitor, 
you know, they're already looking over the fence. So I think that's that's just where it starts to come in. Um, and one of my colleagues, a good colleague of mine in my current role, you know, he said, you know, people buy an emotion and justify it with logic. You know, and I kind of, I kind of, I kind of buy into mm-hmm. that. People buy because they want to achieve something uh, that benefits them in the future and it make, it'll make them feel good, or they're buying something to solve a problem that's currently making them feel bad. It's all yeah. emotion. Okay. 100%. So how do you I didn't do buy I didn't buy my ski boots for a logical reason. I bought my ski boots because the ski season was over and I was imagining the next year on the slopes and I just had that like that connection to skiing for next year and I wanted to extend my time like I didn't I haven't skied in my boots yet and I bought them in like uh, April or May and ski season doesn't start again until November. Like I just bought them as soon as the ski season ended. I was like I need to continue that emotional connection to the slopes i'd only skied for one season i was like i'm buying like real nice boots really cool. went and got them fitted like spent my time i was like so excited and all summer long they've been in my house i've showed them to everyone that's visiting like that's provided me with so much enjoyment and i haven't skied in them yet so there's no practical use for them yet but then boots have provided me with so much happiness <laughs> like, oh yeah it's mental i mean yeah. the biggest the biggest example of this of buying something without logic and just is it like the guys in the eighties and the nineties always used to do this. They get to that one point in their teenage life where they buy the leather jacket. Nobody needs a leather jacket. Let's face it. I've got two, right? Nobody needs a leather jacket, but the fawns had a leather jacket. You know, people who rode Harley Davidson motorcycles had a leather jacket. We buy a leather jacket because we want to look cool because we Danny think Zico. we'll feel a certain way. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Danny Zuko in Greece, I, I think he did a lot of leather he jacket. He did. Buying. I mean, and then Top Gun. Right? Top Gun wasn't quite a leather jacket, but it's the same thing. It's, you know, Tom Cruise came along later on and Mission Impossible a leather jacket. It's the same thing. That is the ultimate emotional purchase, the leather jacket for, for, for young men. At a certain age, and young women as well, to a certain degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you want to know how to do it? Yeah, of course I do. <laughs> I know. Uh, like again, the reason we started this, even like, I've heard a lot of it, some of this stuff before, but never like heard it in a, a, a lesson of learn, like a, a teaching secret circumstance. People don't just teach a specific thing about learning about storytelling. But then if you are learning about storytelling, you're looking it up and you're Googling it. A lot of the information is, yeah, there's a clip here, there's a video here, there's a theory here. But it's not in like, we, we keep saying this now, it's not in your father's English or not in like common tongue. Like it's such a good <laughs> expression. And it's like, this is the way to explain it to people like me. Um, definitely. I think maybe not SDRs as a whole, but a huge amount of us see all these sales learning tricks t- tips they're coming from somebody that's not enterprise level doesn't remember what it's like to be an sdr we're not sdrs in 2022 COVID's happened uh, there's a labor shortage <laughs> yeah. we're trying to like sell technology and there's no tech recession it's all different circumstances where we just need to understand it in normal language um so i want to know now yeah how does that apply to my day um and how can i actually implement it like starting yeah. tomorrow for example yeah, so look, let me preface this by saying, look, I'm not an absolute expert on storytelling. I am going to share with you some tips and tricks I picked up along the way that helped me 
think about the stories I'm telling and, and add component parts to them to make them more impactful. Um, and look, from my experience, I'm going to show you how I've done that, but I'm going to do that by telling you a real story. How about that? Um, let's go into the archive, going back probably four years uh, to when I was a when I was a sales rep. You know, I was a strategic account executive for a large multinational in the telco environment with roughly a hundred prospects, right? So let's go back to that world. Let's talk about this. Um, and this is a story about how LinkedIn made me a million dollars. So made a million dollar sale using LinkedIn. Okay. Um, so you know how it is. You're landscaping all of your accounts. You're trying to find sales opportunities. You know, I'm researching all my companies using websites that they have, using the tools we've got, like Salesforce, what information's in there, using LinkedIn. Um, and once I'd had some of that research done, I started to contact these companies, right? Uh, so I tried getting the phone, picking up as many times as I could in a day as I could muster up. Um, and on many occasions, those calls didn't go exactly the plan. And this is exactly where our customer comes in, uh, IT manager, Julian. Okay, an unusual name, but that was his name. So Julian was perfectly polite, you know, the perfectly polite prospect. That's what Julian was. Um, but at the end of our conversation, he concluded that it didn't make sense for us to proceed. You know, he was already tied up into his contracts and they wouldn't be finished until next year. So we said, look, let's leave it. Let's call, let's get keep in touch. Let's come back. Let's have a chat in a while. Now, for Anybody who listened back to our, our conversation a few weeks ago on metrics, you'll remember that I told the story of my manager who had incentivized me by tapping into my personal kind of motivation of wanting to buy an engagement ring for my now wife. You know, so for me, this was the same year. So for me, this call not going ahead or this not this opportunity not going ahead with Julian was painful. You know, I was tense, I was losing sleep, another sales op gone, I'm missing. Um, and I'm trying to buy that ring. You know, I really wanted to achieve that. So anyway, going back to, to Julian. So after speaking with him, like all my prospects back then, I, you know, add him on LinkedIn, you know, save his company and just follow what they're doing over a long time. Uh, and about two months passed. So after about two months, um, you know, still, you know, life goes on, still finding opportunities. Um, but I popped onto LinkedIn and saw a notification. The notification that would change my fortune for the year. On my LinkedIn newsfeed, I saw an article that told me that Julian's company had acquired a competitor. And I immediately said, I'm going to call Julian. You know, this is what we call a critical event in sales, right? You know, an acquisition means that there's going to be changes in the company, you know, especially the IT department. They could, they might. Either way, it's new contracts. I'm calling Julian and saying, can I help here? So I pick up the phone um, and I call Julian. Hold on, let me take a bigger order. So I call Julian, pick up the phone. And I say, look, read about the acquisition. What's going on? And first of all, he's shocked. He's like, how do you know about that? And I say, I read it in the news. Um, you know, it's, it's out there. It's in the public. Anyway, I, I, I said, look, I understand now it must be a busy time. Uh, and I said, look, if there's anything I can help with, uh, let me know. Um, and I think he was a bit impressed, to be honest, because <laughs> um, he must have been shocked that I knew about this. He was quite kind of taken aback. And he said, look, you know what? 
Felix, this is a pain in my ass. He's like, we've got to take over their entire IT estate, try and merge it with ours. It's I'm evaluating that. I've got to get new contracts and put it all in our name now. This is killing me. Literally, I'm up the walls. I, and I was like, any other salesman might have been kind of like, oh, crap, well, I better leave you to it. Um, but I was like, look, well, why don't you give me the telco contract? You know, I, you know it's low risk. My company's well known. We've been doing this 30 years. It's one less headache for you to manage. He said, all right, what, what can you do for me? So I said, look, leave it with me. I'll come back to you in a few days. I'll put something in front of you. So anyway, I went away and I thought about what his problems were, what's happening in the business, probably needs to cut some users, maybe bring on extra users. He doesn't know. It's an uncertain landscape. So I put together a package and I put it in front of him a few days later. I said, that's brilliant. He's like, that's exactly what I need. He's like, where do we sign? So after another month or so of just getting through the paperwork and the red tape or whatever, he signed the deal. A million dollars. Just because I read that article on LinkedIn. Phenomenal. Really good. Yeah. Uh, it was a great story. It's a great story. So let's pull that apart, will we? We pull apart that story. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's not just because you read that article. It's not just because you saw LinkedIn. It's because you asked why not. It's because you like identified, he, he had a challenge and an issue and you identified that at the time and called it out rather than getting off the phone and scurrying away and say, I'll call you back in a month. Uh, like you, that's the difference. Like you have to have like fire in your belly at times. You have to know when to hit go. Um, and a lot of us do struggle with that. And I've struggled with that in the past. So I know that's something that SDR struggle with as a whole. A lot of times people say, oh, I'm busy. Boom. Oh, I'm off the phone. I'm not talking to them. Sometimes it's worthwhile to call out ask them what they're busy doing and yeah we're not getting too into that that's another another conversation no, day, but it's not just the linkedin article it's like you had loads of different stages there where you dug into a lot of what was going on with them but let's pick apart the story i think yeah i mean like the, the important thing to your point is that i thought about what was happening in his business and sometimes that's all we yeah. need to do put our put ourselves in their shoes as they say and just think okay what might be happening just kind of game out different scenarios. But um, okay, so let's think about what techniques did I use in that story? Oh, so the first one. <laughs> as long as this isn't a test. <laughs> this isn't a test. You can do this. No, I'll test you after. I'll get you to tell me a story. No. The first thing is, you know, it starts with a thing I call anchoring. And this is where we try to engage the listeners by naming the characters and bringing them to life. So in our story here, we had myself, Felix, strategic account executive, and we had Julian, the prospect IT manager, you know, the, the perfectly polite prospect, as I call them, you know, mm -hmm. that alliteration as well, using language. So there's two schools of thought on that anchoring. One is to use common names. So names that everybody knows, everyone knows a Paul, a John, a Mary in Ireland, you know. Uh, and if you're in, you know, if you're in Spain, maybe it's a, a Maria, a Pablo, a Juan, you know, everyone's got those common names. And that's one school of thought. The other school of thought is to use unusual names that are memorable. Oh, wait a minute. Julian's not his real name? No, no. Oh, Julian actually was his, his, his <laughs> real right, name. Okay. Uh, I really <laughs> believed you there. I was like, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, no, Julian was his real name. Um, okay. But it was sufficiently unusual that it stuck for the story. And uh. you know, Felix is not the most common name, at least not here in Ireland. So I was good enough keeping myself. Plus, you're putting yourself in it, so you're getting a bit of credibility, right? Because you're talking about some personal experience from you. So again, going back to credibility. Then we introduced the second technique, Jeopardy, okay? And that's each character's personal struggle or challenge that they face. 
So oh. that's me, right? I was me, yeah. Jeopardy I had. I was like you, a seller, target on my back and only so much time to hit it. And even more, I had double Jeopardy because I was trying to buy an engagement ring. I needed deals. I was struggling. Like I was, I was going to Thailand with you actually at the time, Luke. And then, you know, I was taking a two-week holiday in the middle of my big year. I needed to make pretty decent money to to buy Andrea that ring. And and as you know, Andrea used to work for a diamond company. So, you know, I had pressure. Hence the (laughs) the last night. Exactly. So anyway, so like you said, I had all that jeopardy. And that was intense enough. And then you had Julian. Julian had all this intensity of actually merging the two estates his one job became two jobs and the problem is with all it things if it messes up it's on his head you know what i mean he carries the weight of it not working especially in this gdpr world we live in in europe and customers data and you can't lose it and all the sensitivity around that i mean this man was worried like he he was pretty open and frank with me on the call like when he said it was a pain in his ass he meant it yeah that was jeopardy so we had our we had our two we had our two characters and they had their challenges. So we talk about language, the language I use. So let's go back and talk about the brain here. So we said the brain works as kind of to be as efficient as possible uh, and tries to recognize patterns. And that's really clever. But it also causes the brain to jump to conclusions. So you ever talking to someone and you're already finishing their sentences in your head? That's because your brain's doing that. Hey, I used to finish their sentences out loud, but that was when I was younger. <laughs> I was uh my cousin Dave one day was like, Look, you know, he always uh, talk over me. I was like, Oh, I didn't realize <laughs> seven brothers and sisters. <laughs> I took one comment from him when I was like 21 or 22, and I was like, ah, and then since that I've been like training it out of myself through sales. But yeah, all the time you do it naturally. You're just like verbal slap in the yeah, face. <laughs> verbal slap in the face. You do it but in your yeah. head now. So that's why the language you use is really important because the brain is hardwired to be efficient, meaning it'll switch off if it kind of thinks it knows what's coming. It goes on autopilot. So that's why the language you use has to kind of avoid using cliches and things people know. So I'm always conscious of that. Um, And I'm also using language to try bring emotion into the story. So try bringing people closer to that feeling, you know, feel the anxiety I had. I'm speaking to you guys as salespeople. I'm sure you know what it's like when you're up against it, trying to hit that target, clocks on your back, you know, it's really hard. It's trying to build you into the story because you're living it right now, guys. You're doing that to us. In the other side, if you're talking to a prospect, you're, what I spoke about earlier, like trying to speak their language, it's being credible. Is that the same? You're trying to, one of the guys I work with does it really well where he always says we like, oh, all, we, oh, yeah. we always struggle with that <laughs> like he is one of them and it's so good and it can sound so good and it, people like trust him but he's also that type of person he's not putting yeah. on he honestly believes that he's part of their industry on their side yeah, yeah. that's a, that's a great that's a great trick I uh, it's not a trick actually it's just a great life skill I mean if you want somebody to come on the journey with you you make them to believe you're already on that journey you know you're having an argument with the missus or whatever you say, come on, how do we fix this? How do we sort this out? Because it's you and her or you and him working it out together. You know yeah. what I mean? And and, yeah. and it's, it's the same with your customers. Like, look, okay, here's what we need to do to move this forward with the customer. You know, always speaking in the way because he's got actions, you've got actions, but they're already working together because you've, you're, you're insinuating there's a partnership, there's a relationship. 
what do we need to do? And, and you see it in emails. I get it from, from people on LinkedIn who've uh, sent me cold emails. You know, we could do this or we could do this. I'm like, hold on, who's we? What are we, what are we doing here now? <laughs> get you interested, dude. That's yeah, good. But, it, but it's a good tip. It is a good tip. I, I, yeah. like, I like that. Uh, we, must get, we must get him to come join us on the, on the pod sometime. Yeah, man. He's like, he, he's my target, 100%. Like he, he's he's the person that I put a tar- target at. I want to be at that level, and it's he is insane. He's a year, about a year and a half ahead of me, but like he's a good guy, real good dude. But like I, I keep an eye on him. He's an AE, and like he, he's where I want to go, and the way I want to talk, and the way I want to deliver demonstrations. He's like, yeah, I, I pay attention to the little snippets of the way he talks to people. I got it. Luke, Luke has a you know a, a hero in work. Never meet your You're going to find out when everyone listens to this. Everyone knows you. Um, very good. Very good. So let's go back. So we've got the anchoring technique. We've got the jeopardy technique. We've got the language we use. Super important. And then we've got, finally, the principles of primacy and recency. You know, and this applies to lots of things, but basically means the most memorable parts of the story are going to be, number one, the most important part, and number two, the last thing you hear, the last part. So... The primacy in this story, like it does depend on the listener. They'll play. I'll tell you what mine is. Go on. One million dollars. Million dollars. The primacy yeah. to me is one million dollars. <laughs> what? Well, that it stands it. out. That's the yeah. It stands out. So, like I said, look, the primacy might have been how I closed the million dollar deal using LinkedIn. You know, that's compelling. It's it's provocative. You know, how do you bring it out? Uh, or maybe it was the moment where I saw the article on LinkedIn. You know, uh, and decided to pick up the phone to Julia. You know, maybe that was the moment of primacy. It depends on the listener, right? Uh, and it's a personal thing. But the point is, there'll always be a moment of something important. So in a way, you say, you know, I can you can take one thing out of every piece of music. It's kind of like that, the one thing you remember. Um, and then recency. You typically remember the last part of the story. Um, you know, it's like um, it's like those people who purposely wait till the end of a meeting to say something because they want to be remembered. Typically, it's a junior thing people think do. Um, but yeah, so this story, I mean, the the last part of the story, you know, the moment the deal was signed. Or is it? Dun, dun, you know, dun. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, you know, look, I, I've literally told this story probably about a hundred times to about a thousand salespeople, you know, different sales wow. directors, maybe even a CEO or two. Started as a thousand dollars, and now it's a million. No joking. Yeah, I know. When this story started, I sold a Mars bar contract to a Seven <laughs> <laughs> no, Eleven. It is gained legs. Now it's a million dollars. Yeah, no, but they all love it. Uh, you know, the sale that never would have happened without LinkedIn. Yeah. Um, but the reason they love it is actually for my last technique. You know what I call the encore. You know that's why we're still in my story right now. We have never left. This oh, is I'm still in the story. Gosh, I like being in the story. <laughs> um, you know, and what I never told you, uh, and what all these people loved about that deal, it's not because of LinkedIn and it's not because it was a million dollars. It was because on this deal, I had no conversation about price and no competition. Not even Julian's existing supplier knew this deal was happening. And that's my friends is where the story ends. Mic drop. Need a second. I think we need 30 <laughs> seconds. Sometimes you just need a moment. Yeah. 
the encore, Luke. Right. The encore is mind blowing. Um, I think to start, my first comments were about as an SDR and importance of learning about how to tell stories. I never thought that I was going to learn something so new, but so, so I've heard it so many times, but I didn't know what it was. I've heard people tell stories. I heard a guy, a guy who was in a bar with yesterday, um, told a story. He's one of our friends, which is well, one of my friend's friends just moved over here. And he told a story at the very end, he just left a snippet of information. And, uh, it was like, whoa, like, because we prepared, obviously, for this episode last week, because this is something brand new to me. So we did a little bit of preparation behind it. And yesterday, I was like, no way, man, you just did, did an encore. And he was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, so I explained it to him, my girlfriend, his girlfriend around the table. And they were like, oh, I never thought of it like that. Yeah, of course. She just that's like changes the fabric of the conversation. And from our chat last week and all week, I've been thinking about it. And through this session today, when you've been teaching me again, um, I think when I'm learning how to demo and when I am eventually demoing uh, the platform, I want to bring some of these this stuff in. Like yeah. encore, if I can bring an encore to the end of a specific demo at a specific time and it just like shines a new light on the entire process, right? Like it is mass, like, massive to get us on like think about the end of a movie when it just like through the whole movie you're thinking one thing and then at the end it's like boom oh, like something different happens like do changes you know who does this oh shutter island shutter island you're like oh i don't know is he is he crazy or does he what does he want to die you just don't know it's like yeah oh, i don't know what's going on but it's like it's like yeah. um what was that other dicaprio movie um oh what was it called inception do you know where the inception. thing is spinning at the end yeah it's like, Same oh, thing. just changes the way you think. You have to rewatch the movie. Yeah. You have to re-tell, rethink about the story all over again. You're like, oh, so the whole way through when you're talking to him on LinkedIn, immediately tell uh, a, a, a phone, um, an upgrade to their phone systems or whatever, you'd be immediately going, oh, surely there's like loads of other providers that they would have got. immediately Ooh, yeah. gone. All right, RFP, RFP. Like, yeah. The truth, the truth was I'd called the guy months earlier. And I couldn't work with him. He was in a contract. We knew he had an existing supplier. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like consciously, I was already telling that story. It just wasn't at the forefront of what I was saying. And then, you know, when I called him back and I put together the proposal for him, he said, that's perfect. Let's go forward. It was never actually, hold on, I need to get a competitive quote or I need to run this by finance or procurement no. or anyone. There was none of that commercial negotiation. And that's really how it happened. Um, like you know, that. obviously there's an element of, you know, right place, right time. And that's why we're saying, you know, in sales, we call that the critical event. Um, you know, if there's a critical event, you know, you can accelerate that sales cycle. But the the way in which you put the story together is really important. And that's why having a piece like the Encore can really add power to what you're saying, you know, because it's not only the last thing they're going to see or hear, you know, that principle of uh, recency, it's also, you know, Wham, you know, it's something really yeah. powerful. Um, I've got two things. Go on. First thing is this like conversation leads really well onto next week's episode, which is gonna be around pain and challenges, which is obviously he, he answered the phone and goes, I'm having some pain. So like that's gonna be a really good conversation about how if somebody doesn't say, Oh, I have this pain, how do we navigate that? And you're gonna help me out with that a little bit. 
Um, but another thing, I, I just want to give you my USP for this week. Um, oh, yeah. Reason I'm giving you this USP is it's nothing to do with actual storytelling. It's to do with, we had a 45 minutes to an hour session last weekend when we spoke about this stuff. You did some research. I did some research on what I remembered. Um, you talked about the way that you searched LinkedIn. You talked about the way that you prepared your story. Preparation is so key. And I remember when we opened the first episode, it's like, oh, we're not going to prepare for these as a joke. <laughs> that, that's six months ago, right? I am now here where it's like, preparation is part of every single day. I have calendar at the end of every day saying, prepare for tomorrow. What am I doing? I select the accounts that I think I'm going to be able to book in. Every weekend, I'm getting ready for Monday. I am more prepared than ever be in my life. And I'm doing better than I've ever done. Like personally, professionally, everything, like preparation is so important. Whatever way you're doing it, just start to use that muscle. Whether it's you're preparing like very minute amount of stuff as an entry-level SDR, just start preparing, start doing your little training, start reading a book, read a chapter a week, just start getting it into your brain because Felix signed a million dollar deal from preparing. <laughs> so like, if there's ever a reason to prepare, this story should get you to start doing the small stuff, um, following people on LinkedIn, making sure that you're engaged, make sure that you're following some of these skills because, yeah, and listen to loads of different opinions and build your own oh, story. Yeah. I'm a big one for that. Felix gives me one angle. Managers give me a different angle. AE gives me a different angle. Books, resources, LinkedIn, girlfriend, friends, family. Everyone can teach you something. Definitely. What I will say. Decide to do your own. What I will say, Luke, to the listeners, because they don't know this. At least, I would say at least twice a week, usually more, I'll wake up to a message from Luke, which will be a screenshot from somebody uh, uh, something to listen to, a video, or something, and I'll always watch it because you know we're doing this podcast and we're good mates, and I, I rate them, you know, and it'll always be something that makes me rethink because you know in my line of work, you know, and you you help a lot of people, you work with a lot of people, you you can become complacent sometimes. You can think, okay, I've got you know eighty percent of the answers here. But I'll listen to these things. I'll read these screenshots or whatever, and I'll I'll have to actually stop and think about it because my initial reaction might be actually bat that away. That doesn't tie with what I already know. But I do stop. I do try to reflect. Um, so yeah, you know, definitely get different opinions. I'm hundred percent with you on that. Yeah, build your Keep own story. <laughs> build your own story is my one. Like get, get all the characters are in your story, but it is your story at the end of the day. So. Felix is in his own story. I'm in my own story. You're in your own story, whatever career path you're in. If you end up leaving sales, that's still part of your story. But make sure there's more characters than just you or just two or just three. Multiple. The more characters, the more interesting and more colorful it is, the more interesting your story is going to be at the end. So, yeah, it's been a pleasure. I'm looking forward to next week. I really, really, really enjoyed today. I enjoyed last week. It's a massive part of our jobs. Like, a massive part of your job, even if you're not in sales, any storytelling is used so much so like, oh, yeah. i think this is a even if you just want to be the yet. funny guy yeah. at, the, at the at the stag party propping up yeah. the bar with the lads i mean or, or or the or the girls like being able to tell a story is a fantastic skill and um, you know it's it's one we didn't have tv thousands of years ago you know we barely had music you know stories were the original thing you know and i think i think i always think it's very funny right you look at 
especially Meta. You look at Mark Zuckerberg investing millions, maybe even billion into virtual reality, you know, trying to transport us to new worlds. Stories do that anyway. You know, stories, they they are the original virtual reality. And maybe I'll I'll just stop it right there. (laughs) Yeah. So last week was uh, personas. This week was stories. And next week is challenges and pain. And this is the holy trinity, the trifecta, three episodes (laughs) that are like really important to me. Um, Really important. And I'm gaining a lot week on week from these, from preparing for them and from doing them. So I'm hoping that somebody out there is as well. And if you are or you're not, or if you need us to maybe change our direction or you're feeling like there is an angle where we're missing here, it's two guys, one USP at gmail.com. So number two guys, number one USP at gmail.com. Follow us on LinkedIn, um, do whatever you need to do. But yeah, get in touch with your questions. We're pretty open, um, happy enough to answer anything you have. With you on that. And with that, guys, go make your own story.